Amen. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, hear me? Okay. All right. That's good. Let's quickly now go to the book of First Chronicles, chapter number 29. But before we do that, quickly, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. I want to encourage all the couples to register for the couples seminar. Amen. As a couple, you need to make a commitment to at least invest one event or one training per year. The Bible says to husbands, uh, for them to dwell with their wives in knowledge. Amen. So the only way you can leave your wife is to get some no- with your wife is to, did I say leave your wife? The only way you can live with your wife is to get some knowledge from the word on how to live with your wife. Same thing with the, with the wives. The only way you can live with your husband is to learn from God's word. Amen. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. Tell them what you put in is exactly what you get. How many of you know that the common denominator in any marriage relationship is you? Because you take you everywhere. Okay, let's save some for that day. Amen. Save some for that day. Today I'm just standing in uh, for my brother Greg. He's not feeling too good, but he's already on his way to recovery. It's amazing what people, I was telling him on Friday, man. It's amazing what people will do not to stand in front and preach. Amen. We were just laughing about it. And I was like, dude, you had to check yourself into a hospital just not to preach on Sunday. And we were just, you know, kind of laughing about it. But he's getting uh, well. We pray divine healing on his body right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the first step, how many of you would like to be prosperous financially? Just lift your hand. Okay, I'm in the right place. Now, the first place, the first step towards financial prosperity is to realize that you are a steward. Someone shout, I am a steward. And everything I have belongs to God. This is the first step. If you don't realize this, you will never tap into the full manifestation of God's abundance for your life. Amen? I said amen. What is a steward? A steward is a person that is employed to manage someone else's estate. In this instance, everything that God has blessed you with does not belong to you. It belongs to Him. And this is the attitude that you need to have for you to have an excellent life. I'm talking about in all areas of your life. How many of you know that the wife that you have is not your own? She's dear to God. And if you understand this, you won't kick her. The children that you have, it's God who has just given them to you to be a steward over. And after all is said and done, you shall be called upon to give a report on what you did. Watch this with God's property. See, because when a steward, when a master or a manager is given a responsibility, like what Pastor Trevor was talking about yesterday, he said time is your best friend when you are into financial prosperity and investment. So what the master did, Jesus gave a parable of the talents. You remember the story? It says the master gave several talents. To the one he gave five, to the other he gave two, and to the last one he gave one. And he went away and gave them time to do something with those talents. It's the same thing that God does when he blesses you with finances. He gives you time to see what you will do with that time. And the Bible says when the master came back, he said to the one that had been given, what did you do with my money? He says, I multiplied it. And there you go. And gave the master back ten talents. And the master says, you are a good and faithful servant. He went on to the second one. He says, what did you do with my money? He said, I multiplied it. And here you have four talents. And the master said, you are a good and faithful servant. 
And then the last one was asked, what did you do with my money? He said, I went and I buried it. And guess what? I didn't spend any of it. The very thing that you gave me, here it is. And God said, you are a wicked and slothful servant. You know why? Because he was not faithful. The first step, tell your neighbor this, the first step to financial prosperity is to realize that what you have does not belong to you. Belongs to God. Now what we're going to do one of these days is we're going to uh, uh, ask everyone to swap wallets. You know, during offering time. Just swap wallets. And then we will tell you to give like you've always wanted to give. <laughs> you know what people will do? <laughs> people will give everything in your wallet. You know why? Because their attitude is, it does not belong to me. If you are not a giver, if you are not generous, your problem is not money. Your problem is not being stingy. Your problem is you are not recognizing that God is the one who has given you what you have so that you can use it to change people's lives. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So the first step to a financial prosperity is to realize that I'm just a steward. First Chronicles chapter number 29 from verse 2. First Chronicles chapter number 29 from verse 2. Thank you, Jesus. If you have it, you can say I have it. Watch what it says from verse 2. This is the, the David speaking. And he says, now for the house of, of the Lord, of my God, I have prepared with all might. Who prepared? I didn't hear that. It was David, right? Who, who, who prepared? David. Notice David says, I have prepared with all might what I'm going to give to you. What does that tell us? What you give should be determined by you and your heart. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 7. It says, let every man decide in their own heart what to give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a what? I didn't hear that. God loves a cheerful giver. So the reason why the message of prosperity has been rejected in the body of Christ is simply because of extremes. There are people who take an extreme, and I know churches that take a vow of poverty. You know, they say God wants us to just live in lack and poverty and so on and so forth. In fact, most people think Jesus was poor. How many of you know that Jesus was not poor? He wasn't broke. Well, if you still think he was poor, try taking care of 12 grown men for about three and a half years. Tell them to leave their jobs and then you take care of them for about three and a half. Let's see how it will pan out with you. Amen? So Jesus wasn't broke. A lot of people believe that. No, Jesus had means. He had resources. Hallelujah! <laughs> And the other extreme is people think that God blesses you so that you can indulge every last one of your desires. It's called materialism. The reason why God blesses you is not so that you can buy uh, uh, the latest iPhone. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> The reason why God blesses you is not so you can go and get the latest BMW and go back Ekasi to show off. See, because if that's your attitude, you're going to miss it. Amen? So there are people that take that extreme, and particularly pastors that take an extreme. Man, I've seen it on Christian television. Where people will get up and say something like, uh, uh, right now, we want to take a 10,000 rand offering for a 10,000 rand blessing. Amen? The pastor or your neighbor should not be spelling out what you give to God. It's a matter of the heart. Amen? Watch what it says. Next verse. I have prepared, no, before that, let's go back. I have prepared with all might gold for things to be made with gold, silver for things to be made with silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in what? So he prepared everything in abundance. Next verse. 
Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of the Lord, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house of my special treasure of gold and silver. Next verse. 3,000 talents of gold. 3,000 talents is about 178 tons of gold. So, you know, those 18 wheelers, they carry about 30 tons, right? So you have about how many? 178 divided by 6. About 6 gonyets carrying pure gold. Amen? I said amen. amen. <laughs> this kind of gold has never been seen in the earth today. Six trucks full of uh, gold. Next verse. The gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen, highly specialized people to do the work in the house of the Lord. Who then is willing? Someone say willing. To consecrate himself this day to the Lord. Next verse. Then the leaders of the, father, of the father's house, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of the thousands and of hundreds, with the officers over the king's work, offered how? Man, there is such a dimension that comes upon a nation when the leaders understands this di dimension of giving. It starts with the leaders. Amen. Don't give to a pastor who does not give. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, just lean on your neighbor and tell them the prosperity of the pastor is dependent upon his giving. Tell your neighbor, if he don't give, he ain't going to have. Everybody's prosperity is dependent upon their own. Have you ever seen broke pastors? Amen. You know why? Because they don't give. They haven't mastered the principle of giving. And again, I'm not teaching a get-rich-quick scheme. This is the mistake we have made in the church. We think that giving is, is bringing money into a slot machine, and you put it in, and then you yank it, and all this prosperity comes out. And in fact, that's how the church has taught it. That's not how it works. Giving has to become a lifestyle. Right. It has to become an everyday thing. You just have to become a giver. Yeah. Last week, Pastor Trevor and I uh, took out some friends for breakfast. And uh, after eating breakfast, we were fighting over the bill. You know why? Because there was about four givers sitting at one table. What do you do when you go with your friends for lunch or dinner? Amen. Oh, I forgot my wallet at home. Can you, can you take that for me? So, giving has to become a lifestyle. Amen? It shouldn't pain you. See, when God gives you resources, it is to touch people's lives. Amen? So, it's not your, your, your prosperity, financial prosperity is not going to be changed by just one act of giving. The church has presented it that way. That if you bring this big offering, your whole life is going to change. No, that's not the truth. The truth is you have to change it at DNA level. It has to become a lifestyle. It's like a man who goes to the gym. You know, I, I remember the first time I joined the gym, I lifted everything in the gym. One day, lifting everything. And then I went and looked myself in the mirror. And guess what? Nothing had changed. And I was so frustrated. You know why? Because I didn't put the time element in my transformation. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains, Genesis 8 verse 12, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest. So when you put your seed, you need to give it time to germinate. You need to give that seed uh, time to spring forth and bring forth fruit. Whatever you sow, give it time. And keep sowing. It has to be a lifestyle of sowing. You know, our, our brother Tinashe and Sister Maru are doing a, a, a marriage crash, uh, crash course. And part of our marriage crash course, the first uh, uh, module we do is called communication. And in communication, we encourage people who are married to sow words of love, watch this, on a daily basis. Keep sowing. Words of appreciation on a daily basis. 
See, some of you husbands are saying, yeah, you know, I told you I loved you and I married you. If I don't say anything, nothing has changed. That's not going to work. Amen. 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 You need to keep putting seed in the ground. It has to become a lifestyle. Next verse. Don't worry, I'll stop if it's time up, okay? (laughs) They gave for the work. By the way, we need to pray for uh, people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that today. Amen. They gave for the work of the house of the Lord 5,000 talents. Look at what the leaders did. You lead by example. Amen. Whatever you do as a leader is exactly what is going to transpire in whatever God has called you to lead. If God has called you to leave a ministry, if you're a stingy leader, you're going to have a broke, busted, and disgusted ministry. Watch what it says. They gave 5,000 talents and 10,000 uh, darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and one 100,000 talents of iron. Someone calculated this to today's value and it summed up to about 12 billion that they gave in one day. Someone say, wow. Wow. (laughs) Next verse. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the hand of Jehiel, the Geshonite. Let's go to verse 13. Verse 13. And, and that was David's attitude after they gave about 12 billion everybody. He says, now therefore our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Look at his attitude. He didn't give and went, oh man, oh, you know, I just gave a lot of money to the church. <laughs> no, he said, Lord, I praise you. And watch what he says next verse. But who am I? Who are my people? That we should be able... To offer so willingly as this. For all things come from who? Can you see his attitude? He's like, man, it's a privilege for me to be giving to you. Because you are the one who gave it to me in the first place. Amen? And he says, for all things come from you. And of your own we have given you. So his attitude was not God is taking something from me. His attitude was God, I'm giving you back what you gave me. And because of that, David and his uh, uh, son Solomon were the most prosperous people you could ever read about in the Bible. Because of his attitude towards giving. Amen? I said amen. Amen. So if you're taking down notes, write this down. A stewardship mindset or attitude changes your heart and releases the spirit of generosity and abundance. Was I going fast? Good. Make sure you get the MP3. Amen. (laughs) A stewardship attitude changes your mindset and releases the spirit of generosity and abundance. See, if you don't fix the attitude part, it does not matter what you give. You have to come to God with a, a grateful heart. Realizing that the reason why you are making what you are making is because of God's abilities and talents that he has placed in you. It is not because you are smart. It is because God's favor is upon your life. Hallelujah. Some of you are just doing well in school. Some of you have great jobs. Let me guarantee you, it is not because of how clever you are. It's because of the favor of God upon your life. Doctors here will tell you, it it just takes one chemical component missing from your mind for you to go cuckoo. One. By the end of the day, you'll have lost it. Crazy. And God keeps you insane. And all you need to do is to come back and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I'm giving back what you gave me. And God loves a person with an attitude like that. There was one time, man, the children of Israel started giving uh, uh, God these gifts and they would complain while they are doing it. Just complaining and their attitude was stinking. Go with me to Psalms 50. And let let me show you what God said about it. He wasn't too happy. I think if God could be ticked off, this time he was ticked off. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Psalm 50, verse 7. Verse 7. Hear, O my people, I will speak, O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Next verse. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or burnt offerings which are continually before me. So they were bringing stuff. 
But their issue was attitude. Next verse. I will not take a bull from your house. Now God says, I'm not going to take a bull from your house. No goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. And every cattle on a thousand hills. Next verse. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. In other words, the money you have in your bank account is mine. The house you live in is mine. The car you're driving is mine, says the Lord. Amen? Everything you have, man, it belongs to God. And if you have this attitude, when God tells you to give away that car, you won't argue with Him. I've given away a car, so I know what I'm talking about. When the Lord told me, I was like, no, this can't be God. And I tried to bind God. But guess what? If it's God and you know it does not belong to you, God will instruct you, you do it, and when you do it, you've sown into your future. Whatever leaves your hand enters into your future. Man, I'll never lack for a car. I can go to any country, any minute. People will be offering me cars. When my wife and I traveled to, to Zimbabwe just a few months ago, I think we had about three cars offered to us. When I travel to, to the U.S., I get a, a, a chauffeur driven in a minimum Porsche. Or I'm not coming into your car. <laughs> Amen? Because whatever you saw is coming back to find you. And it has to be a lifestyle. You can't just do it once and expect results. Amen? I said amen. I told you a story. I was driving down Vitkopen, going to the gym, and we got to a garage, and uh, there was a car right parked in front of me, so I was on the phone replying emails, so I'm looking down, and this car was parked right in front of me, and you know I couldn't uh, pull in to get fuel. And uh, I asked the guy, I said, why isn't she moving? And the guy said, man, because her card won't work. She put in fuel for about 300 rand, but her card won't work. You know, there's no money in a card. So I said, What's, what, what, what are you going to do about it? The guy said, well, we're waiting for someone to come from Pretoria and then we'll release it. <laughs> and I said, well, give me that bill. I'll take care of it. He said, really? I said, yeah. He brought the thing. I paid for the bill. And he went and he told him, oh, the guy behind you just paid for the bill. And, and he came back. He said, uh, so you paid for her bill. Uh, sh what should I do? Should I get a phone number or something? What should I do? And I said, go and tell her Jesus loves her. And guess what? Within the very same week, Pastor Trevor will tell you, there was a lady who came, not even a member of this church. She gave four envelopes with a thousand rand each week or for four thousand total. All of them were written, Pastor T. Fuel. This is not superstitious. This is real life. And this is where I live. <laughs> you know, some of you are thinking, this guy is dreaming. Well, don't wake me up. Because it's going good. Amen. Amen. Whatever you give will find you. Amen. When we moved out of our two-bedroom house into the house that we live in now, my wife and I made a decision that we were not going to move with the furniture that we had in that house. So we gave it away in advance. And guess what? When we moved into our house, we were depressed because we couldn't afford the furniture that matches the house. So we didn't know where that money was going to come from. And someone came and said, I will furnish your house from top to bottom and paid for everything to the tune of over 350,000 rand. This is where I live. I just live this way. Whatever I give, it finds me. I can't help it. It's a principle. Amen? And man, you can, you can go on and on and on. I was thinking, man, why did this guy get the opportunity to introduce Barack Obama? How, how did this guy get this opportunity? There are so many rich people in Africa. Some of them are richer than this guy who was getting the opportunity to introduce Barack Obama. What has he done? Until I went and looked at his profile, the very thing right at the top says philanthropy. I mean, the boy is sending 40,000 kids to school. You and I aren't even sending one. And we want to be the one. You're looking at it like, man, I want to be him. No, it starts where you are. Amen? I said amen. amen. It's going to get quiet, but it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Next verse. Watch what it says. This is God speaking. If I were hungry, read those uh, five words with me. 
God was ticked off. He's like, man, you giving me offerings with this attitude. Let me tell you something. I own everything. And if I was hungry, I would go to Burger King and not tell you. I would go to Nando's or something. I ain't telling you. Amen. For the world is mine. And all its fullness. What is God trying to say? He's trying to say giving does not edify him. It edifies you. The church, tell your neighbor this, the church does not need your money. Tell them you need your money in the church. A lot of people don't understand this. You know, people come to me and they say, Pastor T, we understand that the church needs money. No, the church does not. You need your money in the church. That's what God said. He said, put your money, store your treasures where it's secure. And where is it secure? In the kingdom of God. I don't, it does not matter how much you accumulate. As long as you are storing it in the wrong place, you are going to be caught. This is good stuff, man. This stuff changed my life. Amen? I said amen. So a good steward knows that God is their source. And knowing that God is your source takes the worry and anxiety out of your life. If you're living a life of worry and anxiety, your problem is you think your job is your source. You think your boss is your source. No, your boss is not the one paying. In fact, the Bible says the, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. It says promotion belongs to God. It does not come from the east or the west. It comes from God. And God will promote, watch this, the faithful. Because whoever was faithful with five talents, God said give him five more. And who was faithful with two, God said give him two more. God promotes faithful people. Tell that to your neighbor. Say God promotes faithful people. If you're taking down notes, write this down. The quality of your stewardship is determined by your faithfulness. The quality of your stewardship determines the level of your promotion and acceleration. Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke chapter number 16 from verse 1. Luke 16 verse 1. Also Jesus said to the disciples, there was a certain rich man who was a manager of his estate. We had his manager of his estate and accusations against this man were brought to him that he was squandering his master's possessions. See, you can't just take God's money and spend it on a, a, a retail therapy. Is that what you call it? Your boyfriend dumps you now. You want to spend God's money buying unnecessary stuff. It's called squandering the master's possessions. Hallelujah. Next verse. And he called him and said to him, What is it that I hear about you? Turn in your account of your management of my affairs, for you can be my manager no longer. It's said to say there are a lot of managers in the church who have been fired because of a lack of faithfulness. So all you are handling now is your money. That's why it's little. Because if you are handling God's money, it would be much. You know why? Because God's money is based on the economy of heaven. The level of resources coming in your direction is a direct representation of your faithfulness to God. You can't cheat the system. I wish I could. Okay, all right, moving right along. Next verse. And he called him, you can no longer. And the manager said, verse 3, verse 3, let's go. And the manager of the estate said to himself, what shall I do? Seeing that my master is taking away my management, I am not able to dig. I am ashamed to beg. Next verse. I have to come to know what I will do so that they, my master's debtors, may accept and welcome me in their houses when I'm put out of the management. Next verse. Uh, precious stones. Huh? What's that? No. Let's go back. I have, uh-huh, verse 5. So he summoned his master's debtors one by one and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And behold, one came and said to him, Good master. Huh? Let's go. Verse 6, verse 7. Verse, and he said, uh, 900 gallons of oil. And he said to him, Take back 
your written acknowledgement and obligation and sit down quickly and write 50. So you are discounting uh, the debt. Next verse. After that, he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures, about 900 bushels of wheat. And he said to him, "Uh, take back your written acknowledgement of obligation and write 80. This is going to get confusing just now. Next verse. And his master praised the dishonest manager. Wait a minute. Did you read that? Is it in your Bible? The master praised the dishonest manager. You know why? He praised him because he finally realized what money is for. He finally realized that money is not for spending. Money is for touching people's lives. Money is a, uh, a medium we use to create relationships. Amen? Watch what he says. Uh, for, he act, for acting shrewdly and prudently. For the sons of this age are shrewder and more prudent and wiser in relation to their own generation and to their own age and kind than the sons of the light. Church people don't know that money is supposed to be used to touch people's lives. Next verse. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, deceitful riches. Give it to me in the King James Bible. This is too, too much words to read. <laughs> King James, verse 9. We're going to read to verse 13. And I tell you, make friends of King James. You got King James? We have a new system we're working on, so yeah, just bear with us. Amen. He's working hard to get King James. All right. Then he said to another, no, verse 9. And said, uh, make friends of yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. That's what he says in the original King James. He says, use money to touch people's lives so that your money can make an impact in the afterlife. How many of you know that you can't take your money with you, but you can send it ahead of you? (laughs) Every money that you use to touch people's lives will be credited to your account in everlasting habitation. Amen? Next verse. Next verse. And he who is faithful in that which is what? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. He who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in i did not hear that i did not hear that so god is saying jesus speaking is saying if you are not faithful where you are you will not be faithful where you are going hallelujah praise the lord if he's not faithful as a boyfriend don't promote him Glory to God. If you are not faithful with numbers from zero up to nine, forget calculus. Amen. If you are not faithful with the alphabet from A to Z, forget literature and writing books. It starts where you are. I was preaching at a conference last month, so I went into the church and I said uh, uh, to everybody, if I gave every... But in here, one million dollars, which is about 16 million rand, who would tithe off of that? Everybody, like, yeah, hallelujah. People were picking up chairs. I would tithe off of that, man. I would tithe. And I said, oh, wait a minute. Before we even give you the 16 million rand, what are you doing with the 100 rand where you are? Because that's a perfect picture for what you will do and what you will do with much. Because Jesus said, if you're not faithful where you are with the little, you're not going to be faithful with much. A lot of people think, oh, one day when I win the lottery, I'll be faithful. No, if you're not faithful where you are, you will not be faithful with much. Can you see that? And watch what he says. And he who is in unjust in that which is least is also unjust which in that which is much. Next verse. This is awesome stuff. This will change your life. How many business people do we have in the house? The Bible says, do not despise the day of small or humble beginnings 
What that means is you need to be faithful with your business as small as it is. You need to be faithful with the time you invest in your business as small as it is. The biggest problem I have with young people is they start businesses so they can get out of their pajamas at 12 noon. And put in two hours of work into that thing. And expect it to do miracles because I'm a child of God. It's not going to happen. Makes me mad. I almost break sleep right there. Amen. Man, when you start your business, you should be putting in more hours. Be faithful. Be faithful with the hours that God gives you in a day. Be faithful. Amen. Watch what it says next verse. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. In other words, if you have not been faithful with money. Who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? Did you see that? What do you consider true riches? A great marriage? You ain't having a great marriage if you're not faithful in the least area, which is finances. Forget about it. Ah, you can stay in marriage. How many of you know that staying in marriage does not mean having a successful marriage? Ah, I've been married 65 years. Was it a blissful marriage or you were just staying for Avantwana? Ah, Pastor, me, I'm not staying for this guy anymore. I'm just staying for Avantwana. And we hear that often. You know why? Because people are not being faithful in entry level things. If you cannot be faithful in money, you will not be committed. You know, some of you want a great anointing. Amen. You cannot get a great anointing without being faithful in money. What else do you consider true riches? Integrity, health. (laughs) A lot of people are fighting and struggling to believe God for healing. You know why? Because they can't believe God for money. They can't trust God with finances. It's the least area of faith. Religion has taught us that money is the biggest area of trusting God. No, money is the least area of trusting God. Material things is the least area you can use your faith for. Man, this is good stuff. This stuff has changed my life. I never stress over money. I never stress over money. You know why? Because money will find me. You know why? Because I've learned to use the least of my faith to believe God for money. Man, this is awesome stuff. This will change your life. Amen. Next verse. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So if you're not faithful as an employee, you know, Pastor T, I'm trusting God to start a business, to launch a business. But you're not even faithful as an employee. You know, I'm believing God for a multi-million dollar business. But you're using your boss's bond paper to print your, your multiple choice. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. <laughs> amen. You, you, you clock watching. You know what clock watching is? You go in at 8 o'clock. If you get to your office at 7.30, you're not even putting a minute. Because you clock watching. 8 o'clock, you walk in. And if it's 10.30, you know, people at home affairs, if you've written the first name, Tafara, and it's 10.30 tea time, you drop the pen and go for tea. You won't even finish the surname. Because you're clock watching. And you want to tap into starting your own business? That's not how it works. So the principle is you start little. This is what we train our ministers here. We say if you cannot run a life group and grow it, forget about being a pastor. And I'm called to minister to thousands. Yes, but it starts with five people. I know it's tight, but it's right. Amen? It's right. If you have not been faithful in another man's, who will give you what is your own? Next verse. No servant can serve two masters. Notice he says it's impossible for you to serve two masters. He did not say people will not try. People will try. People will say, ah, Jesus said you can't save both money and God, but me, I'm taking my chances. I want to try it. Amen. This you cannot you cannot serve two masters for you will hate 
the one and love the other. Or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot, cannot. Someone say cannot. It's impossible. No way, Jose. You can't do it. Cannot serve God and money. This is good stuff. How do you know you're serving money? You don't do with it what God tells you to do with it. If God tells you to give Pastor Trevor 100 rand and you don't do it, (laughs) and you don't do it, you know what you're doing? You're putting your trust in that money. Because you're saying, Pastor T, I need this 100 rand. God is saying, no, (laughs) give it away and watch what I'll do with it. Amen. Let's go now as we close. Matthew chapter number 19, uh, verse 16 to 22. Is this helping someone? It better be. Matthew chapter number 19, verse 16. Watch what it says. And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Next verse. And he said unto him, Why callest me good if there is none good but one? That is God. But if you will enter into life keep the commandments next verse and he said unto him which jesus said thou shalt not murder thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness next verse honor thy father and thy mother and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself next verse the young man said unto him all these things have i kept from my youth what lack i yet this guy was lying says, I've kept every last one of the commandments. That's not the truth. Only Jesus has. Amen. Jesus said unto him, If you will be perfect, go and sell that thou which you have and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. So Jesus revealed this man's heart through his money. You want to know where your heart is? We talked about it last week. Just look at your bank account. And look at your time, your diary. I'll tell you where your heart is. If I can look at those two. Some people's hearts are in their golf clubs. Some people's hearts are in their cars. Some people's hearts are in their money. Amen. Watch what happens. Next verse. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In fact, the correct translation is not he had great possessions. It's for great possessions had him. So the real question is, do you have money or the money has you? And I'm not talking to rich people. Some of the most controlled, manipulated people by finances are poor people. Broke people. They will kill you for 100 rand or 50 rand. Some of the people controlled by money are people with nothing. One chicken. They won't kill it for anything. And people are dying of hunger. They're worshipping that chicken. Amen. Next verse. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Next verse. Verse 23. Amplified. Yeah. 23 to 26. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it will be difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he went on to explain this, so don't freak out. Okay? Next verse. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. Next verse. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly puzzled, astonished, bewildered, saying, Who then can be saved from eternal death? You know why? Because the disciples were rich. They're like, man, you're saying us rich folk can't enter? So who can enter? Next verse. And you, you is rich. We know that. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but all things are possible with God. Next verse. 27. Then Jesus said unto them, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed you. What do we have therefore? 
And Jesus said unto them, That you have followed me. No, you're skipping verses, Chris. I left something there. You left a lot. Let's go back to verse 23. In fact, someone with the Bible, please give me. Let me read from there. King James. Someone with King James. King James Bible. King James. Just make sure that... Oh, Matthew 19. Because we skipped a lot of good stuff. That I couldn't even see. Matthew chapter number 19. This is a nice Bible. Matthew chapter number 19. What verse am I in? Verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I truly say unto you, uh, King James 23, I truly say unto you, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. God. And when the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, who then can be saved. Then Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Jesus answered him and said, see, we have left everything. And Jesus said in verse 28, what verse? Then Peter answered and said, see, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said unto them, assuredly, I say unto you, that in this regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on his throne, on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and children and lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold eternal, and inherit eternal life for many who are first shall be last. Amen? What did Jesus say in verse 22? Where is the king? Amplified. You have amplified anything? Anybody? I want to read something that's powerful. Verse 23. If you have amplified, please bring it before we go. Uh huh. Next verse. Next verse. No, give it to me in the New King James, verse twenty-four. This is a wrong translation. It's not saying exactly what he said. Verse twenty-four. Yeah. What does it say? Yes, this is what I wanted. And again, in verse 24, it says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a man who puts his trust in his possessions. Amen? So Jesus is not talking about rich people entering into the kingdom. He's talking about people that put their trust in their riches and in their possessions. He's saying people like that will never enter into the kingdom. Now, kingdom is not heaven. Amen? Kingdom is manifested here on the earth. While you are here on the earth, you can manifest a kingdom marriage. While you are here on the earth, you can manifest a kingdom prosperity. And it will not manifest until you choose to put your trust in God and not in your riches. The biggest problem we have in the church is people put their trust in their, watch this, little riches. People that put their trust in riches don't have much. That's why people don't progress. It's distressing for a pastor to see someone at the same level for 20 years. It's stressing for me. It's stressful. It's depressing. Man, why don't you just do what the Bible is saying and change your life? And it should be easy for poor people. You know why? 
Because 1,000 rand is not going to do you much. Just take 100 and give it to God. And trust Him for your finances. It should be hard for someone in the billions. But it seems the people in the billions have mastered generosity and not putting their trust in money. Melinda uh, uh, Gates, my wife and I were watching her do a TED talk. And she was saying, people think we started, we only became generous when we were the richest people in the world. We've been giving away money from day one. While we were in Harvard, dropping from uh, uh, college in Harvard, we were giving away thousands. You know why? Because God promotes people that understand that money is a tool to touch people's lives. Someone shout, as one hand receives, the other hand gives, there will be plenty for you. Tell your neighbor, as one hand receives, and the other hand gives, and as the money flows through, there will be plenty for you. Man, when you become a channel of God's resources to touch people's lives, God will give it to you. How many of you know that you cannot receive well with your fists, your hands closed? The only way to receive is to open your hand and open your heart. And say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my giving. Hallelujah. If you are not a giver, if you don't tap into these principles, we will come back 10 years from now. And it's sad to say you will still be paying off your bond. Or your car. Your new car. They will give you another one and do balloon things and then keep you where you're at. And then if you try to escape other means, they will use what is called inflation. Give you a promotion and keep up with the prices. So you think I've been promoted. I've been given an increase. No, you ain't. Because we're keeping up with you. Give them 8% from, uh, increase and give them 10% inflation. In fact, you are now behind where you were. So the only way out of the red race, it's called the red race, right? Or the treadmill. Have you ever been on a treadmill? Run so fast, run so hard. After 10 minutes, check your destination. Still, <laughs> but I'm working. I'm working hard. <laughs> still where you are. The only way to tap out of it is to tap into the economy of heaven. And the way you do it is by generosity and giving. I don't care who you are. It does not exempt anyone. Whether you are a pastor or you are a little girl. If the pastor doesn't give, the pastor will go broke. If the little girl doesn't give, the little girl will go broke. You know why? Because when you give, you get access to whichever deity you are giving to. That's why even if you go to your Sekuru Sangoma, they will ask you to bring a gift before they do anything. That's just how it works. If you want to receive, bring something. Try and go to a Sangoma and say, I just want you to do something, but I'm not going to bring anything. They'll tell you, ah, you are not serious. You bring something. Amen? I said amen. So this was the longest offering message you'll ever hear. Amen. And an amount of time, I'm not.